Hello and welcome back to another episode of Good Grief, a frank conversation about mourning. On today's episode, we have a very special guest here to talk with us today from Alberta about her experience with grief as a caseworker. Let's get started. Last week, we spoke to Kay Travis from New Jersey about her experience as a caretaker for her grandparents and the ways she assisted them during their end-of-life stages. This week, I will be speaking to Amelia Gregresh. She works as a caseworker with the Government of Alberta in Edmonton. In this role, she deals with many cases involving children who are being put up for adoption. She has also experienced adoption in her personal life and describes in the interview how that plays a role in her career. Without further ado, here is the interview. I would like to welcome on the show now, uh, caseworker Amelia Gregorish. How are you? Good. How are you? I am doing swell. Um, we were just talking before the show. There are some illnesses going around that are quite nasty. Yes, um, not fun. Uh, two separate illnesses, uh, but just as nasty, regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just get right into it. Um, I wanted to first get your background uh, as a uh, as it involves grief and. Uh, the experience you would like to talk about today? Yeah, so uh, I do work for the government of Alberta, and I'm a caregiver supports practitioner, and I work with the supports for permanency program. So what that entails is um, working with children after they've been adopted or private guardianship up until the time that they turn 18. So I'm going to talk about grief in regards to what that looks like from a bit of an adoption lens. Um, I also wanted to share that I myself am adopted, so I can come at this from both a professional standpoint and also a personal standpoint. Okay. So, yeah. So some of the some of the things that people don't really think about when it comes to adoption is they think they they get really excited and they get really you know lots of love in their heart as they're adopting a child but they don't really think about how that child's journey came to be with them coming to arrive to that new family so oftentimes what i see is i ask families uh, when i do my meetings with them once a year how are things going and what's the connection to the biological family, if any? And I often get um, a little bit of awkwardness from people. They're not really sure. They don't really want to reach out to the biological family and some families outright just keep it a straight secret. They have not shared with their little ones that they are adopted or um, if they were younger, like, you know, toddler and under. And sometimes they see issues come out and behaviors come out quite a bit when they are a teenager and they don't really know what to do with that and they don't really know how to process that or how to kind of 
breach the topic with their little one that they were adopted. So my, my advice to them often is just to be honest and to share that information as early as possible. Oftentimes we see behaviors come out and behaviors to me is just a form of communication. So oftentimes when we see kiddos acting out and we see, you know, big emotions presenting themselves, I try to figure out where is this coming from. And I also try to remind families, like when you have a kiddo that was adopted, say, you know, if they were in elementary age, the first steps was they would be have they would have been taken away from their biological family, which is kind of the only normal that they know, even though in children's services, we look at that situation as not healthy, perhaps, that's still the only family and the only connection, the only community, the only home that they know how to live and reside in. So with that, we that's a grief in itself. And I think we don't really do a good job of breaking that down for the kiddos and really allowing them to process that. Because when they do get adopted, it is a happy time that they do have a family that is accepting them and the family's happy to join another member to their family. However, it's very often difficult for the kids to process, say when we're at school and we're doing Mother's Day or Father's Day. Yes, your mother is the mother that adopted you, However, it's also a stark reminder for kids who have known their biological families and were with them for some time, that they no longer are with that biological mother. You mentioned at the beginning that adoption was part of your childhood experience growing up, and uh, I want to know how you incorporate your uh, personal experience uh, into your line of work. Yeah, so I was adopted from Child and Family Services. Not many people do know that when I was 14 years old. So I was actually one of the one of three cases in the entire year to be adopted as a teenager. So I often don't share that with my colleagues and I don't share that with my families directly. But oftentimes I'm a person who really enjoys research and articles and there's lots of articles that come out around adoption and I do take a read of them and I find that they are very much bang on. So I make sure that I share these articles um, with the families because when I was adopted I obviously knew my biological family from before and I had a bit of a stark dichotomy of my adoptive family was not quite at the point of being able to process or, you know, figure out their feelings about my biological family. So it was something that was kind of not really talked about. It was something that if I brought it up and I talked to my parents about it, it was very awkward. It was kind of something that we just didn't talk about. So it was hard for me because I had the closest relationship with my biological grandma who I had seen every year um, up until the time I was 14 and even born in her hometown and whatnot. So some of the things that I do just to pass on is I just make sure that I listen to the parents because sometimes I get phone calls in and parents are like, I can't talk to my friends about this because they don't have an adoptive child or a child with special needs or disabilities. 
So I just make sure that I listen and I validate them and I hear them out when they're having struggles and crisis that an adoptive parent doesn't really know how to handle. And so I try to also see if there's any um, support groups out there and kind of steer them in that direction if that's something that they want to go to. And I've talked to a few parents on my caseload as I do have quite a high caseload, just under 200 children. Um, and I do have some folks that are willing to kind of be a listening ear and a, and a bit of a friend to other families to talk about, you know, their struggles and their journey and how they got through certain areas and talking about biological family and when biological family members have been having constant visits, but then they become unwell or unhealthy and they're coping through addictions, how they breach that conversation to an age appropriate level to their child, because often parents don't think of these things coming up when they adopt a child, they just kind of get excited and they're like, oh, I have, you know, this child who I have legal permanency for, which is amazing. And you're going to have this child until forever and ever. But they don't think about some of those things of if mom biologically is still street entrenched and still addicted to substances for coping, then if we lose mom, what's the impact going to be if she passes away? And how are we going to have that conversation? So it's just lots of being gentle and lots of just listening and validating um, to people because sometimes they just need that over giving advice, just need you to have a listening ear. And oftentimes I find that's what I am because they don't have that full ability to be completely honest and let out everything that's going on behaviorally and the struggles in the home with their friends who have a child of the same age. I th yeah, I think that's definitely the biggest part. I think you hit the nail on the head there is like, you really need to uh, put keep in mind the compassion piece when you're dealing with this, because these are very sensitive cases and sensitive topics. and at the end of the day, humans just want to be heard. They want to, they want people to hear their, hear them out on their perspective. And it's important to go into that with compassion. Yeah, um, absolutely. What strategies do you use on the job to kind of tackle these sensitive subjects? Because there are a lot of, uh, children I imagine that you you work with and a lot of families that are dealing with a lot of heavy things a lot of emotionally sensitive things and uh, sometimes we can kind of absorb those feelings and we can kind of you know since we're empathetic human beings we can feel those feelings as well so I was wondering what strategies you use to kind of deal with that yeah that's a really good question as you said we are empathetic so feeling the feelings and kind of taking that home with you it's not like stocking a shelf at a store where when you're done your job you can put it down these are situations where you hear about and you think about you know I have kiddos that are in kidney failure and I have kiddos that are have various other medical illnesses and issues as a result sometimes of prenatal exposure that kind of thing so some of the things that I do is if I know that I'm having a hard conversation come up 
I try to grab a colleague of mine or even two of them and I kind of explain and give them a quick rundown of this is the situation and these are the kind of the talking points that I wanted to hit and maybe some resources I wanted to give. And I ask them if there's anything else that I've missed because sometimes, you know, it's always better to have two brains over one. So I'm often relying on my colleagues or my supervisor just to say this is a hard conversation. And often I have really good rapport with my supervisor and my colleagues, and they'll say, when you're done having this conversation, you can come and debrief with me because we know that in children's services, we have some really hard conversations and it's really difficult to have those conversations, especially because I only check in with them once a year. So if I'm checking in with them and they've had, you know, a tragedy or a loss or a death of a parent or a really hard year because kiddo is asking some more questions and they're curious like where did I come from or we're doing our genealogy um, unit in school and we have to do a family tree what do I do for a family tree because I know that although you're my mom and dad I have another mom and dad too all right we'll leave it there but thank you so much for coming on Amelia I really appreciate your time yes thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure It's time now for a few post-interview thoughts. Amelia has a lot on her plate. After this interview, she has become someone I admire and look up to. She does her best to accommodate every child and family she deals with thoroughly and compassionately. She also knows when she is feeling overwhelmed with the work and asks for help when needed. I think that's an important lesson for all of us. The other people around us can be a significant resource when we are overwhelmed with our grief. They can offer their support and guidance that can pick us back up so we can move forward. And that, in and of itself, is a special thing. Thank you for listening to another episode of Good Grief, a frank conversation about mourning. As always, you can find me on my social media channel, on X, formerly known as Twitter, at TJ Sider, that's TJ, S-I-D-E-R. You can subscribe to our podcast by checking out our podcast page at goodgrief.transistor.fm. Next week, we'll be speaking with another guest about their experience with grief. Take care. Mm-hmm.